0: E-S-N-Y and This is your boy, JB, and uh, Paulie D,
1: you've uh, got something you want to read to start the show up? What's going on, JB? Yeah, I do. It's pretty somber news out of Red Sox Nation this last Monday as we found out that Bill Buckner, arguably one of the most famous members of the Red Sox ever, died at age 69 of Lewy body dementia. Over a 22-year 22, 22 career, Bill Buckner amassed over 2,700 hits, 1,200 RBI, and a two eighty-nine career batting average, and though he'll probably always be known, for his error in the 1986 World Series in the bottom of the 10th against the Mets, it always seemed unfair to me that somehow... That World Series loss seemed to get laid squarely on his shoulders, as if he was the one who gave up three straight singles in the bottom of the 10th, as if he uncorked that wild pitch, and as if he was the one who didn't block the ball that became the wild pitch, and as if he gave up eight runs in the deciding seventh game, and by the way, in which he went two for four with a run scored. But I don't think anyone who watched that game, but I think anyone who watched that game kind of knew that anyway, including my dad, who when I, When my brother and I asked him whose fault it was reminded reminded us, and I quote that they wouldn't have been there at all if it hadn't been for Buckner. So I'm glad that in time, sox fans were able to get over 1986, and Mr. Buckner that you were that you were able to forgive all of us. Bill Buckner, rest in peace.
0: Yeah, uh, Bobby Valentine, his a uh, teammate with the Dodgers, and Bo- uh, Valentine and Buckner were very close uh, right. over the years. Um, Bobby Valentine was on the Michael Kay show yesterday. I sadly haven't been able to haven't been able to listen to what he had to say yet. But I heard enough of Kay that he pretty much said, look, we told Bobby Valentine, look, if if this is too hard for you, let us know. And and Bobby V said, No, I want to talk. Yeah. So clearly, the 86 gap aside, this is someone who was widely beloved right. in the baseball world. 1980 batting title winner. And going to 1986...
1: And deeply respected. Yeah. Respected among his peers, which is, I think, the most you can say for anybody in any profession. That, 100%. That when their own peers respect them, that's that's somebody you ought to take notice of.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's really sad, just because, first off, anytime someone dies below the age of 70... Absolutely. ...it's always a little, little more somber than usual. Um, but also, with 86, because I, I recently read, uh, and by recently I mean last year... I read this book by Jeff Perlman, great sports writer called The Bad Guys One, which is about the 86 Mets season. And people don't know Buckner was playing that game that season and that series largely on one leg. Right. Early in his career he had an ankle problem that never really went away. Right. So it always slowed him down and also he never usually played
1: first late in games. And he had an Achilles problem. Yeah. That uh, I think if, if uh, I believe the entire I believe for at least a good part of that season yeah, uh, yeah, he was usually replaced late in games. Yeah, I, I can't remember. I can't remember the
0: guy's name who'd come in to play first. But from if I recall the book correctly, John McNamara, the Red Sox manager, was basically ready to make that substitution because you had a, a a short lead late in the game. Sure. But then Buckner pretty much said, "No, no, 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 no! I've come this far. I am not being off the field when we win." Right, right, right. Which uh, and and
1: it, and it makes and it and it makes sense. It it, it does.
0: Yeah, and and you know he he kind of made fun of himself being on on Curb Your Enthusiasm mate, where he couldn't make a simple catch and like breaking something, but then he saves the baby falling from a falling from a, a fire at the end. Right. So it it's nice that even later in life he got to he got he found a way to sort of make fun of himself for it. Sure. So, But either way, uh, rest in peace, Bill Buckner, uh, 69 years old. Maybe he'll be a Hall of Famer on the Modern Era Committee or the Veterans Committee at this point. We don't
1: know. I could see that happening.
0: 20, look, 289 batting average. He had a batting title, 2,700 hits, 1200, 1,200 RBIs. Great contact hitter. I mean, Harold
1: Baines opened the door for a lot of people. Yep. You know, and, yeah. it, and, it, and it could be that, it, that it's opened the door for Bill Buckner. Yeah, but speaking of uh... a— especially, especially as a posthumous gesture.
0: Yes. Yeah. And and put him in with a blank hat. Right. Because he, he the Dodgers fans love him. The Cubs fans love him. Red Sox fans. They seem to love him again. Right. Uh, at least your dad. But, well,
1: you know, I mean, he came back. He came back to play for a brief time in free agency in 1990. He received a standing yeah. ovation then and then he threw out the then he threw out the first pitch um, at a World Series celebration in 2008. And, and that kind of seemed to be the the. The the recent moment for I think our generation of of uh, re re-embra- embracing him as a piece of red. Sox have history. you told your uh, Buckner story on the podcast? I have not
0: okay. actually. Okay, so let's let's uh. Pauly e. D has a very entertaining Buckner story, which we'll we'll tell very quickly before we uh, get get down to brass tacks. So. I was I was five. Yeah, um, I I make- was o- October eighty six around this time. I would have been I would have been seven and a half months old. I was five. We were gotten
1: out of bed. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, that that's fandom right there. Right. Well, you're talking about my father who came home early from his honeymoon to catch, I believe it was the 67 World Series. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Red Sox Cardinals. Right. right so early from his honeymoon, then uh, they're still married. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't I don't I don't know if I could get away with that. Uh, and I have, I have a very stable marriage.
0: Um at this point, at this point, if 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 Caitlin and I were on, let's say, like an anniversary vacation, right, and it coincide right. with opening day, I've gotten her into it enough that sh- that we would come back and and we would watch the game, probably I, go together. I don't,
1: I don't, I don't think my first honeymoon would have ended well if I had to no. come back early. To catch the Red Sox, but be that as it may. So I was five. And the only thing I remember, and, I, and I've been told that we were gotten out of bed. Yeah. And that my father was on the couch and he had crossed between his fingers. He had a couple of um, uh, champagne glasses, I think. So he's champagne. very excited. He was very excited. They were going to win. Yeah. They were, they're were. they absolutely going to win. And then the game goes and the game goes and nothing, you know, nothing happens. And the only thing that I remember is looking at a television with an awful lot of Mets. Mm-hmm. Run and I know they were Mets because they were different uniforms running out on the field, and I had no idea what was going on. And yeah. So you know, I think my brother or I asked my dad, you know, hey, what's going on? And he just goes, uh, you know, and he and he gets up and he and he and he puts the and he puts the flutes back in the hutch or wherever it is, and he goes, okay. Time for bad kids. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so, that's 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 what I that is what I know of the night. 19- yeah, eight. that is that is my ma- it could be completely fabricated. It could be an apocryphal legend in my family. Do you that, remember if you watched that,
0: baseball or basketball
1: first when you were a kid? Uh, it was definitely baseball because we went to the games. See, so, yeah, I see. I
0: watched basketball first on the TV.
1: My first seat, I the, the first seat I remember was in the grandstand at Fenway Park. I don't know for what reason it was, uh, and then my dad uh, ended up meeting somebody who. Um, and becoming friends with somebody who had season tickets, and he kind of had a split with that person, and he used to, you know, used to, used to pick up some games, used to buy some games every year, uh, and those were really, really good seats. Those were on the visitors' dugout, like second row at that time, and second row, uh, visitors on deck circle. So that was a lot of i I got a lot of really great views growing up at Fenway Park because of, you know because of my dad and because of the tickets he was able to score, but. um yeah, that's the, it was definitely baseball, and it wasn't basketball. The first kind of basketball I watched was actually college basketball. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't even the pros? because my dad was never a big pro basketball guy.
0: Well, college, well, college hoops, especially in this day and age, is way more entertaining than the pros.
1: Right, but I mean, we were U- I mean, we were UConn fans, and in the '90s, yeah. in the '90s, UConn was kind of on the come because they had a couple of Israeli players, and Nadav Hanefeld was the first, followed by Jerome Sheffer. Yeah, they were able to. Jim Calhoun was able to put good teams around them, and that's yep. that's the first basketball that I remember sitting down and actually watching.
0: Yeah. Uh but going back to Buckner and some of leg injuries, how's Dustin Pedroia doing Pauly Day? Uh
1: not I mean, in terms of being on the field and being a um and being a playing member of this current Reds of the two thousand nineteen Red Sox not well. Uh, he seems to be handling it okay, but uh, if you if you missed it, Pedroia had a press conference again on Monday. It was a pretty somber Monday in Red Sox Nation, although the Red Sox were able to pull out the victory twelve to five against the Cleveland Indians. Um he had a press conference that just kind of covered of uh, you know what was going on and what was going on with his knee. Suffered another setback on his rehab assignment, um, and it, and crucially, I think for him, he's ruled out surgery, and so he asked the club for some time, and they put him on the sixty-day DL so we could kind of figure out what you know what is uh, you know apparently from the from the press conference he gets, so we could kind of figure out what he's going to do next. But you get the sense, I mean, they they had a rain delay on Monday and you could see Dustin Pedroia in there, just kind of holding court, talking to a bunch of the young players. You kind of get the sense that he's going to be a coach. And I think he should be. He's, he's, he's got baseball kind of running in his veins and he, you know, he'd any, any connection with the Red Sox that Dustin Pedroia could have would be, I think an asset at this point. So, um, I mean that's what that's what it seems like to be down the road, but I think in this season he's still going to be with the team on and off. Uh, and he mm-hmm. mentioned he mentioned in the press conference that he was going to go back for part of the. He was going to go back home uh, to see his family for part of the sixty day DL stint. So we'll see what we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, I mean Dustin Pedroia, and, I, and I've said this for a while. Dustin Pedroia is is a Red Sox player. Right. Works hard. Blue collar. Isn't afraid to get his hands dirty. Like you could tell he's having fun with the game but he, but you could tell it's not just a game to him it's his life.
1: No, it's he's 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 always been really really intense and he's and yeah. because of that I think for a lot of fans me included he's been fun to watch. Yeah, I mean like you the, never the the guy... feel, you never feel like he's giving up in an at bat and you never feel like he's giving up on the game. I, I
0: remember when he first came up and like oh, it was like oh six oh seven something like 07. That. yeah around that
1: ro- 07 was his rookie year.
0: I remember around that time he came up as like a late season call up and he and he didn't do much with the bat then. But I remember watching him and just the way just the way he carried himself, just the way he played the field, just his overall demeanor. Right. I thought to myself, I'm gonna root hard against this guy, if like uh, a because he's on the Red Sox and B. Because if this guy finds a stroke at the plate, he's going to be a tough out from start to finish.
1: So Terry Francona had to fight for him because Dustin Pedroia yeah. did not have a good start of the season the first time he made the club out of spring training. Yeah, and um, and he just stuck with him, and Dustin Pedroia just started hitting, and that's and that was that and, was an
0: MVP, MVP trophy and like two or three World Series
1: rings later. Right, and the rest is the rest was history after that. You know, it was, yeah. a, it, was a, it was a good piece of judgment from Terry Francona from upper management to allow. Terry Francona's judgment to prevail and to keep playing this guy yeah well folks we have got a
0: fully packed show for you because um, I was in Las Vegas that and we'll save that for another show and then Paul E.D. uh we were both just dealing with life in general uh let's keep on with the Red Sox uh setting the clock for 10 minutes Paul E.D. what is the state of the Red
1: Sox uh you know because they're they're currently down three one to the Indians, right? Um, so currently the state of the Red Sox is they're losing. Yeah. Uh, but this is their fifth starter day, and the fifth starter day's been a, been a tough one. Um, they've Brian Weber, the fifth starter today, uh, had a great game up in Toronto. Before that, it was Hector Velasquez filling the role, and then Hector Velasquez fell out of favor. Then it, so then it was Weber. Um, you know so. It de- I mean, it depends. It depends on the day. But the point. Is, the point is really this: since May 14th, they've gone seven and six, two and four against teams with winning records, and five and one against everyone else. So basically, from April 29th to May 14th, everything was going great. But then their schedule just toughened up. They play, had to play Colorado. They had to play Houston twice. Colorado's a sneaky good team. They. They really are, and they can. Yeah. And they can hit, and they can hit, and they and they can hit in their tough outs and big spots. Um. If you look at it since April 29th, they're 18 and nine since then, so a significant improvement on how they were doing earlier in the year. Um, I mean, on May 14th, Sales spun a to- an absolute beauty against the Rockies. He struck out 17 in seven innings on the way to a no decision, uh, and that was that. I think that was the beginning of of some of some uh, rougher times. That, that was against the Rockies. That was against the. He struck out struck out 17. In seven innings, he owned them the entire game. Until until Noah Arenado uh, touched him up for a two-run homer.
0: Yeah, I mean, and Arenado is... He's a a, a superlative hitter. Yeah, he's like an MVP candidate. He's not not just like... He's kind of like DJ LeMay, who is that it doesn't really matter... Where he's playing, it doesn't matter if it's Coors Field, Fenway Park, wherever, he's going to get those big hits. Right.
1: He's going to, he's going to, a guy like Aaron out is going to get his hits no matter where he's playing. Yeah. So they split a short two spot with the Rockies, dropped two of three at home to the Astros, then took three out of four from the Blue Jays the following week, which is good because they're beating up on the teams they should beat up on. Right. You're taking three of four, you're looking at four, you know, four out of four, and dropped another two out of three to Houston. I mean, I, I don't know what you can say. Houston's the best team in the in the American League right now.
0: Uh, they they are uh, they did they just lose a key piece because um, <laughs> this is right. Act, they're getting, actually they're getting chipped away. This is actually really funny. Carlos Correa, their star shortstop, he's now out for four to six weeks with a cracked rib. He released a statement. He cracked his rib getting a massage at his house. You're kidding me. I.
1: I swear, I, su- I I assumed
0: it was some on-field action, but but for but no, apparently six weeks he su- apparently maybe he was just getting a deep tissue. Things were wrapping up. Uh, that is some massage.
1: Yeah, for for those who have who uh who's given the massage, the mountain that rides. Good lord, probably. I, I mean, don't know. I mean, speaking come of, on. speaking
0: of, what'd you think of that Game of Thrones
1: finale, real quick?
0: I liked it. Me um, too.
1: I liked it because I figured out what they were doing in episode five, which is just like we're doing the big moments and we don't care if they're earned or whatever. And just watch the big moments I was like fine that's yep. that's good enough for me wind it up. It's been what eight seasons Yeah eight seasons I'm ready for it to end. I could tell you guys are too Let's on done and done and on to the next one and that's it. all I'm gonna say and then we'll get right back to the Red Sox. I had no problem
0: with where any of the characters wound up. I could have written a better script in my sleep
1: I I mean look I'm not gonna go out I'm not gonna go out and live and say that. What I will say is that I think if they I, I think if the last two seasons had the pacing that the first five seasons did. We would have been looking at thirteen, fourteen, fifteen seasons. I mean, there yeah, was, you know, to to really earn everything and to really do do all the character work that you would need to do to to get some to make some of those moments, I guess, quote unquote, believable. You know what I mean? It's just, but at the end of the day, it's it's fantasy. You're doing swords, spears, and dragons. I mean, come on, what do you guys want? Exactly.
0: Uh, back to the Red Sox, like I, uh, I do agree that you are beating the teams that you need to, right. and you're struggling, and you're struggling accordingly against the tougher teams. Colorado, you can't get too mad at him about because, because like I said. They're just one of those pesky teams,
1: and it was just one of those bad games where the bullpen came in and they couldn't. They just couldn't put out the fire, and we've had a couple games like that. We had one that one against Colorado. I mean, a couple. There were a couple games in Houston where the bullpen came in, really needed to hold Houston where they were, couldn't do it. There was a game, in, there was a game in Toronto that the Red Sox eventually won. Now, winning is a great disinfectant, right? Because yeah. you do, because you don't remember what got you to the eleventh inning. The bullpen coughed up two leads yeah. to Colorado. Right, they coughed up two leads to Colorado. The mm-hmm. Red Sox won the second one in extras. and yep. you know against Houston, they they should have held them close in, in a couple of those games, and they didn't. In Toronto, the uh, the Red Sox coughed up another lead, went to extra innings again, and won the game. So, like I said. Um, you know, the bullpen, the bullpen has been an issue uh, in protecting these, le- these leads has been an issue, but it's understandable given the personnel in their bullpen. And that's, I don't mean that as a slight against anyone currently in the bullpen. I know they're playing their guts out, but the, to be quite frank, they're in totally new roles for them this year you know what i mean yeah i mean the best way i can
0: best way to describe the red sox bullpen and like and especially after last night's game which you and i were texting each other during especially in the ninth inning it was
1: i mean for those for those that don't know the red sox were up let's say the red sox were up five three five two in the ninth it was five two it was five two all right it's five two in the ninth ryan bray i mean and uh um brazier ryan brazier gives up 3 home runs and 3 batters including including the tying 2-run homer to a guy who's batting literally 80. Yeah. I think it's 80 or 84.
0: Uh Greg um, Allen you're talking yeah, about? Yeah,
1: I think it's zero eight zero or zero eight four. I mean, his, Harry, aver- let's, his let's average let's... is going to be a bit higher now.
0: Yeah, here pulling up his, his page going into last night's game. Greg Allen on the year right now right. is batting <laughs> a buck six.
1: Yeah, so he's ba- he was batting he was batting like 84. Before that hit, and I think, I yeah, think that maybe another couple entering, of
0: hits. Entering last night's game, he was in the 12-5 loss. At the end of that, he, his batting average was down to 91. Right. I
1: mean, look, in, in Cleveland, watching Cleveland play, they're also – the Red Sox are a flawed team. The Indians are also a deeply flawed team. Yeah. So these Cle- games have been kind of fun,
0: actually. Cleveland – Jose Ramirez is batting barely above 200 right. after after a couple of MVP-like campaigns. Maybe he, his swing is longer. Maybe he's just having bad luck. I have to look at fan graphs. But here's the thing about the Indians. They had 2017. They had the best record in baseball, if yep. I'm not mistaken. It was them or the Astros. They have a first-round matchup against the Yankees, are heavily favored, take the first two games, the second one, and, and a come from behind, and they lost in the first round. And it's people always forget – the AL Central might be the worst in all baseball, right? Because you have the Indians who are—they don't play six hundred ball like when push comes to show, but they'll play high
1: five, high five hundred ball, five eighty, five ninety, exactly. And then after that, everything it just kind of goes down the toilet. But that's all you need. That's all you needed out of the Central for a couple years. There, I mean, now the Twins are winning. Seems seems like they're winning every day. I'm so. not fully sold on the Twins. I ne- yet. I mean, neither am I. Look, I'm not fully sold on Tampa Bay either. Yeah. I, th- I think both teams are going to fade down the stretch. But the point is. Uh, you know the Red Sox. Uh, Ryan Brazier gives up the tie. They put in Travis Lakin,s who's a you know who's a uh 24 year old right hander from from uh from Pawtucket. From, oh, he's from Pawtucket. No, not from Pawtucket. Okay, but, you know, but called AAA, up, yeah. go, from triple from AAA. Yeah, you know, he gives up two runs. He gives up the go ahead run, the go ahead two runs, and make it seven to five. And then the Red Sox can't come back in the bottom of the ninth. But the but the point is, is that you've got these guys that are that are. You've got, ex- with the exception of Barnes, you've got Brazier, Walden, Hembry, Workman, and they're doing a phenomenal job this year. They are, yeah. In, in the aggregate, the bullpen, st- the bullpen stats track closely with the with the performance of the 2018 bullpen and that in the 2018 bullpen remember had one of the had one of the best closers in the game on it right? yeah
0: Craig Kimbrell yeah
1: but in terms of leverage moments and leverage innings and leverage outs these guys have never these guys have basically never done this in their careers
0: yeah uh, I, they're,
1: they're, they're they're it's totally uncharted territory for them
0: I, I was gonna say earlier um I feel that with Alex Cora um and Dombrowski's already said he's not going to add another relief arm at least not at this point. I feel that the Red Sox bullpen can be summed up very simply. They're making the best of a bad situation.
1: They're 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 working the best they can with what they've got. Yes. And the only way for these guys to get better in high-leverage situations is to keep doing it yeah that's it, it, it's, it, it's got to be reps right
0: yeah it's got to be reps you got it's gonna you have to get used to pitching in that situation because one thing I say a lot because I wrote an article for ESNY last season about how Dylan Betances should not pitch in the ninth inning right because if you look at his career if you look at his career splits his ERA in the ninth is almost two full runs above his ERA in the eighth or the seventh sure to which and so that to me that says okay he clearly cracks under the pressure pitching in the ninth inning as a closer, but like you just said, maybe if he just keeps getting those reps, keeps yeah. pitching in the ninth inning, gets used to that spotlight.
1: Let's take Ryan Brazier, who a lot of people are calling, you know, a lot of, a lot of the Twitterati were, 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 uh, were very disappointed in last night, and rightly so because he gave up three runs in the, in the, in the top of the ninth. He didn't get the job done. But in high-leverage situations last regular season, Ryan Brazier – uh, had a split, had a, had a, uh, had a slash, pitched to a slash line of like 306, uh, 306, 350 something and 450 something. Jeez. He was, he was, he wasn't good in high leverage situations and, and this, and this year he's better. Yeah. This year he's better in those high leverage situations. Why? It's experience. He went through, you know, he he went he went through the Houston playoffs, got baptized by fire, and now here he is, and he's doing the, you know, he's doing the best he can at this point. Uh, yeah. I expect him to bounce back barnes is a guy who's been in high leverage situations for a couple of years now i expect yeah. you know he had a bet he didn't have a great night but he got but he got the job done mm-hmm. walden again this is uncharted territory for him he he hasn't been in these situations in his career but the more he get the more he gets the opportunities the better he's going to do because he, he's got to be ready for it
0: he's it yeah i mean it's like I said you got to work with what you have right all right. Uh, let's, because um, we didn't get a chance to talk about the Re- the Red Sox offense. But let's tie that in with the- their next two weeks. So the Red Sox schedule the next two weeks, Poly D. Starting tomorrow, four games against my Yankees, followed by three against Kansas City, four against the Rays, and four against the Texas Rangers. Right. Um. It's like you said to yourself that that's not the worst schedule. It's not like a bumpy road. No, it isn't. It's not terrible. But. Those those sub five hundred teams like the Royals and the and the Rangers, the Red Sox can and should beat on those teams. Well,
1: I I like I like the Red Sox to split with the Yankees. I think they're capable yeah. of doing it, and I, I think they're capable of doing it doing that. And I think their offense is in a place to do that. Number one. Yeah. Uh, I like them to take two out of three in Kansas City. I think a split with Tampa or three out of four. Now if,
0: Tampa if, is that at Fenway or is that at the Trop?
1: I forget. Okay. I for I actually for I need to take a look I need to take a look at the schedule I forget where it is I'm on it um but I but i I'd look for at least a uh, a split at Tampa and I'd look for three out of four at Texas I you know they score a lot of runs but they also give up a lot of runs
0: one thing to consider about the Royals because that because that's who uh, the Yankees just played last weekend before coming home for the Padres who they beat seven zip today um yeah uh, big maples back huh yeah he threw yeah he threw four innings four innings and no hit ball at that yeah um 66 pitches took him out after four probably just because you know what we were were already up three nothing at that point but what do you do when the guy's
1: thrown (laughs) and thrown a no hitter after don't you keep him in for the extra inning
0: yeah but he he said his knee wasn't quite at 100 percent yet but he was able to pitch so i think look 66 pitches through four innings Guys Not ter- were how ter- terribly, ter-
1: ter- terribly, efficient. Guys were fouling
0: a lot of balls off. Right. So I think that that was largely precautionary. I haven't seen anything from the Yankees Twitterati nor their uh, their press team saying he is still hurt or going back on the IL. Knock on wood, that doesn't happen.
1: Right. The article I read said Big Maple's back.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'll I'll say this much: the Royals. If you fall down
1: early to them, do not get discouraged because they have a terrible bullpen. I mean, I mean, here's hoping. You know, it, yeah. and, and I feel the same thing about Cleveland. You know, Cleveland's middle relief isn't what it once was. Right. Quite frankly, neither is their starting pitching. I don't. Think, yeah,
0: I don't. They, they don't have uh, Corey Kluber right
1: now. Right. I mean, I I, I think they have as much trouble protecting elite as anybody. But in terms of the offense, I mean, the one thing, I, the only thing I'll say about the Red Sox in May. Uh, well, the two things I'll say about the Red Sox in May is the first one is Raphael Devers. This oh, is his, this no. this is his breakout party, man. You're, that's what you're you're you're
0: like we we knew the guy could hit right after he right. slugged a 102 mile per hour fastball from Aroldis Chapman over the left field wall at Yankee Stadium right, which is not an easy task. No, and we
1: we had the feeling that it wasn't a fluke, but the but the you know but the season following wasn't great. But now he is barreling up everything he sees the ball very well really really well he's hammering the ball he's got over 50 hard hit balls in May ahead of Josh Bell Eddie Rosario Marcelo Zuna and Ronald Acuna he's I mean that's great company to be in his May stats he's batting 360 with seven home runs 23 RBI with an OPS over a thousand what about his defense how's that I think it's improved all right, I, we're go- we're going to fan graphs now, folks. I look. I don't know if the advanced statistics will show an improvement, but anecdotal evidence, so, uh, anecdotal evidence compiled by yours truly reveals that at least he's cut down on the errors. Okay, so we're pulling it up right now. You know, to so fielding. The, so the work seems to be putting. He seems to be putting in the work, and it seems to be to some degree paying
0: off. I will give him this much credit. Last year he posted a DRS of -13, UZR of uh -45. Yikes. This year the DRS, it has improved to -1.
1: Hey, there we go.
0: And uh UZR is -25. Not bad. Yeah, well, you know what? I hate the Red Sox therefore <laughs> survey says. Well, yeah.
1: That's sad. But, you know, negative
0: you gonna... defense now. I'm a stickler for that. What are you going to do? I don't know. <laughs> I, look, look,
1: look! As long as he keeps, as long as he keeps hitting like that, I really don't care. JD Martinez is also having a decent May, and and lastly, we got Michael Chavis. He's the got the ice horse. A, the ice horse has got ten homers and twenty six RBI. Can you believe it? He is he going around for the long haul? You think or he, I? Houston figured him out. Houston really yeah. figured him out. Um. Um. Uh, Fastballs up in the zone are a good way to get Michael Chavis out. He hammers breaking pitches, especially bad ones, especially bad ones left over the plate. And per fan graphs, he has a 0.417 batting average in high leverage situations, so he's somebody you want up in a big spot. He slugs well, but he's whiffing at an almost 30% clip. See,
0: strikeouts are just up in general now because we're in the launch angle era. Right. So I so I don't really hold strikeouts against
1: hitters too much anymore. Right, but as as far as the as, as soon as the first Houston series rolled around, I think I think other teams kind of took note about how to attack him and and now they're doing it. He needs to make an adjustment. And I think he's I think he can, and I think he's capable. Um, and even though he's out of position at second base, he's playing a, a, at least a solid defense. He's probably not the best second baseman in the world, but you know, it, in terms of you know ultimate zone rating and and other, and other advanced metrics, but you know, he's he's playing a solid second base. And with Pedroy out, it looks like for the long haul and probably for the season. Yeah, um, you know, he's a, he's at least I think guaranteed a platoon with Holt at second and, yeah cuz pro-
0: looking at his second base numbers now um he's holding his own. he's like kind of he's kind of just like at at the level line his UZR is flat 0 um that, 0 DRS I mean that's all you want out of him at this point especially well,
1: when he's hitting how he is
0: Yeah cuz you but also like DRS and UZR those are numbers that um my friend Kevin Qualman who's really into the analytics uh he's out in Denver he he said these are numbers that Up until they've been playing the field regularly for three years, those numbers don't mean anything. Right. So, Chavis, as long as he keeps hitting, that should be enough. Right. I mean, that's, I mean, and that's what's going to keep him in the lineup. He's just got to keep hitting. Yeah. Um, and the rest of the team, I mean, Mookie Betts, he's kind of slowed down in his pace from last year, but he's still like working great at bats. I've noticed.
1: Right. Uh, I think. I think the bigger, the biggest slowdown from last year. Also, also. By the way, before I before I even get to the the biggest slowdown in the lineup, um, I think. A, I think a, another revelation in the Red Sox lineup is, is Christian Vasquez. Who's, yeah, who's doing? Who's doing very well? He's you know he's hitting for he's hitting for average, all things considered, at the catcher position, yep. and he's hitting for power again, all things been, considered. at the he's catcher. He's up
0: to two ninety four now. God right, bless him.
1: right. No, he's 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 doing well. Yeah,
0: and uh, the red the Red Sox uh, right now we have an update. They are now tied with the Indians at three. No lead is safe
1: at Fenway Park. Yeah, today. it's <laughs> the Red Sox fifth starter against the Cleveland Indians. Yeah, I
0: mean also because you got Ryan Weber, they got Shane Bieber, so it's pretty much like okay, back end starters,
1: spin the wheel, see what happens. Right, right, right. I mean, I mean, last I, it, it almost feels like last Lex might might win might win tonight, but who knows? Yeah, maybe who who knows? Yeah,
0: plus it's it's probably cold, rainy, and gross
1: up in Boston too. It's cloudy and overcast, but it is in the fifties.
0: Okay, so it's a so it's a typical early summer, late spring New England night, right? Where everyone everyone's kind of cold right. and and right. still so like a little
1: grumpy. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> only a little grumpy. Well,
1: you know, I mean, if you're in the bullpen, <laughs> you can only get so grumpy.
0: Yeah, but on the whole, though. I think you're right about the Rays going back to that. Yeah. They they're, they're going to tail off cuz between the Yankees and other good teams they played especially the Red Sox, the, the Sox swept them earlier this year. Right. They're a team that, and then,
1: and then by the way, they return the favor. So you know, <laughs> be that as it may.
0: I feel that the Rays are just one of those teams that is gonna. They're kind of be like that annoying little brother that just jumps in while while you're playing a game and messes things up, right? But right. that, but then you kind of track him down. You give him a wedgie, time to the flagpole. There you go. We we do not endorse bullying on this Ab- uh, on this at all, folks. On this podcast, absolutely. Be nice not. to your younger siblings. Unless you're, unless- D, and I are both uh, someone's younger sibling, and we and we <laughs> took our fair share of lumps.
1: Unless you're an under 500 team, and my team needs to stack wins against you, that is the only time I endorse bullying.
0: Yeah, but because uh, I think that ultimately it is going to come down to a race between the Red Sox and the Yankees for the top two spots in the East.
1: I do. I, we're only we're six and a half back. I would have rather have said we were five and a half back tonight, and even, yeah. and even had that written down, JB, until uh, the fateful ninth inning last last evening.
0: Yeah, but but um, you got your pitchers stacked just right for the uh, for the four game set. Because tomorrow you got Sale, who's starting to turn things around. We got Hap, who is pretty much sunny gray this year. Then you got Erod against. I've heard tomorrow. It says here it's going to be Domingo Herman going. It's either going to be him or a bullpen day.
1: Ooh, he's gonna. He's a, he's been a revelation. He really
0: has. He's been an ace. Oh. Like, oh. I, like if I, I'm still not fully sold on him just, because, just because he kind of laid an egg in, in Kansas City last weekend. Right. But uh, I said last year about Domingo Herman, the guy, the guy. Look, he's got velocity. He's got decent curveball, but he's still learning how to pitch. Right. If you look at his numbers this year, nothing huge has changed. The hard contacts maybe a little bit down, but on the whole, he's like, no, no, no. I'm gonna. I learned how to pitch. Right. That that curveball is deadly. He's generating lots of swings and misses on it. Uh, but then, um, what else you got here? You got Porcello on Saturday, and then you got Price on Sunday for the night game, and that's going to be against Tanaka. This it's is be go- a tough game. On paper, this looks like a split.
1: Yeah. It does. It, it does. Yes. It does to me too. I think you're going to win. Yeah. I I think all, the Red Sox season going the way it is. I think you're going to win the sale game. You, your Yanks are going to win the sale game. I think we'll catch the next one against Herman. I'm not so sure about that. Just and then be, we'll split Purcell on on Price. I think that just
0: because in this month alone he's one and one with a two point two three ERA. Doesn't matter. <laughs> His doesn't matter.
1: <laughs> he's a snake bit this year.
0: I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, folks, uh, we have got uh, a little special conversation for you because we figure it's June first. This is kind of when trade speculation starts. Absolutely, Paulie D. Let's talk some uh, Yankees Red Sox trade chips. Who do you think you who do you think that you've got, JP? That is a very good question because the Yankees have depth up the wazoo. Absolutely, I went to the game on Monday on Memorial Day. Uh, rare uh weekday afternoon game against the Padres. Gorgeous weather in New York City. It was great. You, you can't tell, but I also kinda got sunburned on my arms. I can
1: tell. And... Yeah,
0: I, I'm such an idiot because I <laughs> my uh I have partial season tickets and I sit in the left field bleachers, which means that if it's a day game, I'm out in the sun. So <clears throat> uh pretty much I didn't put sunscreen on and now uh who wants lobster claws? Deluxe size. Um someone at <laughs> someone asked me, Would you trade Clint Fraser? Would you? That's a very good question. And he is the Bronx wildling. He is the Bronx wildling. Yes, he is. He is Giant Spain baseball edition. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm going to say what I said to that guy. I would not trade Frazier unless there was, an, there was a significant arm coming back, at which point he asked me. What's a significant arm? Well, the guy then asked me, if, if they choose to break up the team, would you trade Clint Frazier for Max Scherzer? Wow! To which I said, "Yes, I would," and here's why.
1: Do you think the Nationals would make such a trade?
0: I think the Nationals are headed towards a teardown anyway, just because Dave martinez The team is not responding to Dave Martinez. They're a rough team. They've right already now. fired their pitching coach, and I think I think they f- they hired him this year they're, or they're,
1: last. They're this close to poker player on tilt, bad. Like, you know, I think they're you, at that point. Do You think they're at the word? It's just the whatever. entire
0: team is just underachieving. I mean, right. yeah, yeah, they've had some injuries because Trey Turner got hurt. They've right. had
1: some pretty significant injuries. I mean, they're they're a better part of their outfield is yeah. their young outfield is currently on the shelf.
0: That said, if 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 they offered Max Scherzer for Clint Frazier straight up,
1: that's that I you got to take that.
0: And here's why. A lot of his money is deferred. And on top of that, Brian Cashman is a shrewd negotiator. You know that he's probably going to make the Nationals cover all that deferred money. Right. Or at least a good chunk of it and plus what's already um what's owed in terms of guaranteed money. Which is which is at this point I think it's still north of $100 million. Wow,
1: that is a lot.
0: So I like I said, the same I'm going to give the same answer I gave regarding Fraser as I did Duhar Right. Do not trade either man unless you are getting a Jacob DeGrom level arm. Right. You know, you need you, to get an ace back.
1: Right. You need you you need a one or a two.
0: Yeah. And Gio Urshela, I think, has enough value right about now. Even
1: because would you move on from him? I mean, I think this, so. Is, is this his high? as his trade value's ever going to get.
0: Yeah, and and I'm saying this even after he hit a home run today off of Chris Paddock, who is like the Padres' rookie upstart pitcher. One thing I've noticed about Gio Rochella is that he's very much a singles hitter. Sure, He has no isolated power. It's either a single, maybe like a line double down the line, but you're not going to see him uh, hit one to the gap very often.
1: Hey, he was supposed to have no bat whatsoever.
0: Yeah, Uh, but then Boone says, oh, the offense might be real. Uh, I think that... Because here's the thing. Didi Gregorius is coming back at some point, along with Judge and Stanton. Soon. Yeah. Didi Gregorius could be back as soon as next week in Toronto, they're saying. Amazing. Yeah. Um, excuse me. I think that at this point, you cannot bench D.J. LeMayu because he's too good of a contact hitter. Exactly. Luke Voigt, you could probably rotate him between first base and D.H. Gio Rochella is going to be the odd man out. Because right. Torres is also hitting. You're not going to bench Didi. Right. So I think that- And Torres moves to third- uh no, Lemayo would probably move to third, and Torres moves to second. Yeah, so I um I think I think no, here's what's gonna be you're gonna have uh LeMahieu at third, okay, Gregorius at short, okay. Torres at second, or and a uh, void at first. I
1: don't hate that infield.
0: Neither do I, and and the the depth is such that you can probably rotate Judge, stand a bunch of other guys into that DH spot, haven't played the field some days, right. I think that at this point, because of his lack of power, because he's mostly a contact hitter, I think Gio Urshela kind of gets downgraded to late-inning defensive replacement. But we also have this youngster, Tyro Estrada, who can do that. Sure. So I think that um, Frazier, don't trade him unless unless you know for a fact you can get something big in return um and I don't think I think Gardner might be might be gone too just because he's an expiring contract and he's and he's the weak link in that outfield right
1: now I could definitely see that
0: uh but I think that with Urshela, you can sell his defense and his and his clutch hitting just enough that you could probably get some more depth for him
1: right and everyone's in the thing the thing that's crazy about the Yankees is that all these pieces have had these these last two months to just audition yeah. For every team in the league, you know. Yeah,
0: hey, I, I believe uh, ESNY's own Allison Case wrote a wrote a piece about that. Um, uh, it was a great piece too. I mean, I'll have to send that to you.
1: They're all just flaunting their wares.
0: Yeah, but uh, what about the Red Sox? Who were there? Who were there? Trade chips?
1: I think Devers is off the market. Um, yeah, he, he, I, he. I, I mean, at this point, he'd fetch back uh, a king's ransom. The way he's hitting, and the way his defense has improved, I I did, but I think the Red Sox need him too badly. Yeah, uh, and I think he's part of the. I think he's he remains part of the young core. He's so young, and he is, yeah. and he still has years left under under club control. So it doesn't make any sense. Right, because you you guys drafted him. He wasn't an international free agent. I don't, I don't think. No, I don't think so either. Uh, but the point is, the point is, he has years under club control, and he's just he's just doing too well, and he's so young. You just hold on to him at this point, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, because I'm
0: I'm looking at Spotrac right now, which is a great um, player salary website. He's making just north of six. He's making six fourteen and a half this year. Right, six fourteen and a half thousand. Then next year he's under team control again. He's not hitting arbitration until 2021 when when he'll be 24.
1: Absolutely. Well, I mean he's he came up at such a young age. Yeah. Um. But even with Pedroia gone, uh, the infield, to me, looks a little cluttered.
0: Yeah, Uh, I'm looking at these names. You got, like, Eduardo Nunez, Xander Bogart, um, Mitch Moreland, who's now, like, out the next couple days with a back problem.
1: Right. So, Bogarts has been extended. So, he's – I mean, obviously, they're not going to trade him. Uh, Yeah, Bogarts was extended, wasn't he? Right. Moreland and Pierce – I mean, it's Stitch Pierceland. That's your that's your first place first baseball tune this year. I don't see them getting rid of either. Although I could kind of see them moving on from from Pierce more than Moreland. Moreland has been quite frankly too important to the offense. But after that, you've got Nunez, Holt, Chavis, and Zue Lin, and I could see like I could see Nunez or Pierce getting flipped for a body in the bullpen for for some arm for some arm that has some sort of. You know, uh, some sort of ALI, you know, some sort of leverage experience. Yep. Uh, that could just serve maybe to just stabilize either the seventh or the eighth. And so you could start to kind of finalize some roles. Out there because I do think I do think that the mixture of roles, you know, the the total committee approach. I'm not sure that that's so um, so beneficial to all those bullpen arms out there.
0: I agree with you that Nunez and especially Pierce are your two best trade
1: chips. Although Pierce is getting paid a lot, I mean Pierce, I think makes six million dollars this year.
0: He is, but by the, by the time the trade deadline rolls around, half of that money's gone already.
1: Right, that's fair. So
0: look, the guy's playoff tested. He's the reigning World Series MVP, if I'm not mistaken. Right. He kills
1: lefties right and you need to and you you want to stick Chavis back Mm -hmm. at his position which is first base yeah
0: and Nunez even though
1: Chavis is undersized for the position
0: technically and and Nunez though and I'm saying this as a guy who as a he's a former Yankees prospect right the guy what he lacks in his bat because he's a a very streaky hitter absolutely
1: very streaky
0: yeah What he lacks with his bat, he makes up for with versatility in the field, because I have seen Eduardo Nunez play everywhere from third base. I think I saw him at first once. I saw him in
1: left field. First base is the only place I haven't seen him. Yeah. I
0: I think he can play first in an emergency, but but he's very primarily just a utility infielder. He's a glove. Yeah. Who, Who can play the outfield in an emergency as well.
1: And you know what? In a big spot, the guy can get a big hit.
0: Yeah. I mean, the guy, because I remember people were talking about Nunez as the possible heir apparent to Jeter, and that didn't work out. The fact that he has stuck around this long after the Yankees, I think, is very telling.
1: Right. And the, and the other thing, the only other trade piece that I could see happening is actually them moving on from Chavis because they have Holt. Who's been, you know, who's kind of the senior guy, the senior guy there? Yeah, in terms of, he's
0: in, kind of like the Louis Soho of the Red Sox at ter- this point.
1: In terms of utility, man, and you know, and Hold has a pretty good bat. Yeah, uh, and we, you know, if you looked at the playoffs last year, you kind of thought that that might be a bit of his coming out party. But be that as it may, uh, I could also see Chavis getting flipped for a plus arm. And at this point, yeah. a plus arm in the bullpen or a plus arm in the rotation. I don't think they need anybody in the rotation, especially with the Evaldi coming back sooner rather than later. So I could see them. I could also see them. I don't think they will, to be quite frank. But I, right. could, it's. I think it's remains within the realm of possibility that that Chavis could get flipped for, you know, for a stopper out in the bullpen. Yeah, and, and there's going
0: to be not some. It's hard to say with the trade market because Kimbrel's still out there. Dallas Keichel's still out there. Maybe he'll right. t- maybe he'll like get, just try, try to find a job as a closer. Like that—that's probably just the most outlandish thing I've ever said. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, he's, he's got to find a job somewhere. JB, I'm going to say this much: don't trade Michael Chavis unless you know for a fact is going to put your bullpen into overdrive.
1: That—that's number one, and I don't think they should trade Michael Chavis anyway because the. Because you know the kids love him. Uh, you, know, yeah. but, you know, and similarly, the I, fan, don't, I the fans the fans really seem to really seem to have taken to Michael Chavis. He really seems to love playing here. And to be quite frank, he's I think at second base he's the best offensive o- option we've got uh, by a by a long shot. Uh, and similarly,
0: I'm going to say this about Clint Frazier, unless because I I use Scherzer as an example because that's what the guy in the stands told me, right. I wouldn't That's a crazy trade. Yeah, and I wouldn't even trade for an arm of that level unless we knew for a fact, hey, CeCe's knee is done, he's out for the season. Right. Or someone else or someone else has to well, guess
1: what, Severino's problems—they're going to be season Well, long.
0: well, coming up, we're, we're going to talk the state of the Yankees. This has been a very Red Sox-centric episode. It has
1: apologies for all apologies for all uh, to all our fans out and out there and uh, out there in Yankees universe. But uh, you know, the very- as
0: in the city we're recording this podcast in.
1: <laughs> but we are going to—we're definitely going to end it with the Yankees,
0: right? Yeah, I am quelling your Red Sox invasion right now. <laughs> oh wait, oh what's that?
1: What's that? Oh,
0: you hear that? You hear that? Yeah, that is the sound of every Red Sox fan in New York running for his life. I am Daenerys Targaryen. I am riding the pinstripe dragon, and I am burning Red Sox nation to the ground. Let's hear the screams.
1: Sir, this is a Wendy's. I I know! (laughs) 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 We have a lot of fun here on the podcast. All
0: right, so stay the Yankees. Look, uh... Six and a half game lead over the third place, disgusting, feral, putrid-smelling Boston Red Sox. I'm not going to complain. Like we, we, I found out today after the seven nothing win over the Padres, the Yankees have won eight consecutive series for the first time since 1998. And what do they do in 1998? If you can remind, I don't know. Listeners? <laughs> oh, oh, that's right. They won 114 regular season <laughs> games. Pretty much ran train through the playoffs, save for a quick hiccup in Cleveland. And uh, yeah, is the best team ever.
1: They were so as a, as a non-Yankee fan, and as a as a very much a dedicated Red Sox fan during that year, they were so frustrating to watch. It was yeah, so, they never, ever lost if that's what it yeah bothered. now you know how i felt last year you jerk <laughs> <laughs> so hey tip for tat as far as i'm concerned look
0: i mean you you, you said it best of your notes they have win- winners of 11 of their last 14 games lineup made mostly out of hope and dirty water dogs it's crazy it really is crazy I and mean, you like line, line up against the padres uh, and this this was um this was the other day you had dj lemayhew luke voight aaron hicks gary sanchez Gleyber Torres, Kendrys Morales, Clint Frazier, Tyro Strada, and Who's Brett a Gardner. Who's Estrada? Oh, Tyro. Tyro Who's Estrada? Tyro Strata. Who are
1: these people?
0: Look, Tyro Strada's story is actually real. Is actually really inspiring because he was an in, he was one of our infield prospects coming up coming up to the farm. He's he's Venezuelan. Last not this past offseason, the one the one prior. The guy was the guy during a robbery got shot in the damn hip. No! Shot in the hip. Where was the robbery? Venezuela. Oh, okay. Or or maybe he was visiting a friend in DR. I, I have to double check that. I, either way, he was he was robbed during the offseason, shot in the hip, and now is pretty much our Ronald Torres that we were missing all last year. That's crazy. Right? Yeah. So uh you the reinforcements, they're coming. Aaron Judge hit off a tee this week.
1: Right. Thank thank goodness. Yeah.
0: Uh, Giancarlo Stanton, despite yet another setback with a strained calf, he he looks like he's about a week or two out. Uh, is
1: he – so I have a question. Because sure. when I saw that he had another setback, it always raises the question, is he head case land here?
0: I'm not so sure he's head case land. I mean, like, I don't I don't like the way that his rehab has been handled, especially because, like, we, we talked on a recent episode how I didn't like how cagey both he and the team were being with his shoulder. Right. Like, why, why does it take you two weeks to say it's a shoulder strain?
1: Right. I mean, is there is there something non-physical going on here, or do you just think he just had a setback, and his rehab hasn't been handled
0: all Column that, A, right? column B.
1: Right. Okay. Um,
0: I, I feel that with the calf, because this is a weird thing. He strained his calf. After getting hit by a pitch during batting practice, that's yeah, strange. So uh, it sounds largely precautionary because he, he was he was in the lineup up until two hours before his second rehab game. Um, he's going to be back soon, hopefully. Um, Gregorius is on his way back. Luis Severino, who you mentioned, and uh, I'm going to hope you didn't jinx him with that. No, I hope I didn't uh, either. I mean, he uh, he played catch today uh, and has reported no pain in his lat. That's great. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I mean it's
1: no fun beating the Yanks if they're not the Yanks. Well, yeah, sure.
0: <laughs> uh, Butances—he's throwing off a mound. He's probably going to be back at some point in June, at which point our already deadly bullpen uh, will be even
1: more deadly. I mean, it's an embarrassment of riches you guys have out there in the bullpen. It really is. And Jordan Montgomery's coming back at the end of the year. If that's if our if our teams could unite for once, and your bullpen could come could come and just play with our lineup. You, we would be the most powerful team in the universe. How's third place taste? <laughs> Not well. <laughs> taste it tastes crappy. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But yeah. It's a, taste that third place. It, taste it. It's only six and a half games. Uh. And you know, and in if it were ten, I'd be very concerned. But it's six and a half games. It, it happens. Yeah. Especially when the bull, when our bullpen is 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 is, is um. Volatile. Uh, yeah, that's a great word for it. Volatile. Yeah, uh, you know they don't always lose you the game, but sometimes they make you tie it up and they make they give themselves extra work. So,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, the Yankees right now though, we got we got um four games against the Red Sox, which is look, it's going to be a dogfight. I hope so. That
1: I hope we don't roll over like we did the last time at Yankee Stadium. I don't
0: think you will. Uh, yeah, cause I'm actually going gonna. to the game on Friday. Oh, fun. Yeah. So. Um, you got, so after the Red Sox, we got, we go on the road for a little bit. We got three in Toronto, three in Cleveland, come back for two against the Mets. And then we go to Chicago, the White Sox for four before coming back home.
1: Wow. You, you guys should feast.
0: Yeah. I mean, the White Sox gave us some issues early on, but that was when like, it was still early season. Like the rust is still kind of there. We're kind of panicking over the injury bug. It was before the whole next man up, uh, philosophy, uh, took hold. Right. Cleveland. We, we've beaten them before. And the way they're playing now, I think we can do it again. They're not great. They're really not. Um, but at the same time, they're still the division leader. And and you gotta treat them
1: accordingly. And they're frisky. Yeah. You know, and the the lineup is pretty frisky. And they can put and they can hang a crooked number on you pretty quick. And speaking of crooked numbers, the Indians now lead the Red Sox six to three. And, well, what inning is it?
0: Uh, top three. Well and Weber is still in.
1: <laughs> He's gotta eat some innings.
0: Yeah, he does. Uh, this inning alone, he's got to get him to five. All right, so l- let's just roll down how the runs were scored in this game. Please do. First inning, uh, Carlos Santana, not the fastest guy in the world, nope. triples on a on a sharp fly ball to bets, scoring Oscar Mercado. Yeah, so
1: that's down. That's down in right field. Yeah, so I mean, that's in that corner.
0: Yeah, in that corner, it's kind of like Kansas City. It's just hard to play. Right. Uh, then Weber throws a wild pitch that scores Santana. There you go. In the first, Mookie Betts uh, cuts the lead in half with a home run over the monster, it looks like. Bingo, bango. And then in the second inning, uh, Indians go up 3-1 off of a single from Kevin Ploiecki. All right. Bottom two, the the Red Sox, uh, Brock Holt uh, doubles home Xander Bogarts. Uh, Holt then scores on an Andrew Benintendi double. And the third inning, Jake Bowers hits an RBI single that scores Santana. And once again... Mr. Greg Allen. There you go. With a two-run triple to bets that scores both Bowers and Jose Ramirez.
1: You know, and they're just banging the ball. Ryan
0: Weber, uh, as of now, has 71 pitches through two and two-thirds, 43 of which have been for strikes.
1: He was so good, so good in Toronto. Yeah. So good in Toronto. But you know what? They've got the arms. I mean, the the recent call-ups, which is, uh, uh, I think, uh, which is you know Colton Brewer gets sent down, then he gets called back up. You like the jerking you know Lakens comes Brewer up. Brewer got DFA, didn't he? Uh, no, he didn't, he didn't. He just got sent down. Okay. Because um, I, I think they still had a they still had options yeah. on him. Yeah. Um, that, that 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 might have that was my definitely my mistake in the notes. But the um, uh, but the but just the way that you know Brewer and Lakens they're up, they're down, they're up. You know, Hernandez is up. Hernandez is up one day and they're down. It just it just suggests. To yeah. at least an outside observer, that the Red Sox are still looking for the secret sauce out there. You'll find it. Yeah, I
0: think I think maybe, maybe the secret sauce is some Boston baked beans. Maybe it's a chicken parm from Joe Tucci's. Maybe it's just a Fenway Frank. Right, but
1: you know, you know maybe or maybe it's a you know maybe it's just one more one more plus arm out there, David Dombrowski. Either way, please, please listen to this
0: podcast. Either way, stay the Yankees. I'm going to say this right now. I love what I'm seeing. Like, if someone had read me today's lineup right. and what the team's record was, and then it told me how long all the big guys uh, had been out, I would have said, Ha ha ha, you're lying. Nice one. What have you got next?
1: Am I right that four out of nine of the starters yesterday, only four out of nine broke camp as starters?
0: Yeah. Um, That's it, right? Yeah, because, yeah, LeMahieu, Voight, Sanchez, and Torres. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, cause oh, and uh, and Gardner.
1: Okay, so it's five out of nine.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought I thought yeah, Le- yeah, yeah. Because yeah, Gardner was playing center field for Hicks.
1: Lemayhew didn't break camp as a backup.
0: Uh, Lemayhew broke camp kind of in a weird spot. Okay. Um, as a platoon, ish. <sighs> It's so weird because the Yankees signed him as to be kind of like a super utility guy. He's kind, a
1: batting champ,
0: a la Ben Zobris. Right, right, right. Uh, Boone says, "Oh, I see him mostly as a backup first baseman." But now that he's been playing so well, just to give you, um, Paul now, D, just but, to give you an idea of how well DJ LeMay he has been playing, I'm going to pull up his stats for you. So he's primarily as a, he's primarily a second baseman. Which, okay, that's great. His natural position. Uh, after today's game, the guy is batting three thirteen with 5 home runs and 30 RBIs. That's pretty good. That that is very good. And just to give an idea in terms of the AL batting leaders, that ranks him once we pull this up. He at one point he was in the top 3. Right. In, in terms of the batting title, he, he he's clearly gone down since then, but he might be the steal of the offseason.
1: Yeah, to he's, say the least. He's a heck of a signing. And yeah. in a really savvy signing from Cashman,
0: he really is. Anyway, oh, and uh, he's he's currently ninth in batting. Right. Yeah. Anyway, that was the last siren. That's all the time we got today for you. May Be right.
1: Oh man. Yeah,
0: I know it. We don't like to go, but it's closing time. We don't have to go home, but we can't stay here. Special thanks to the QED in Astoria for giving us all of uh, this, this great performing, this great uh, recording space. Uh, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at JB's World 3286. Uh, Paulie D, where can they find you?
1: At Paulie D Sports.
0: At Paulie D Sports. Um, and we got some big surprises coming with you, maybe, right in the near future, which we'll discuss on the next show because uh, it's not officially yet. <laughs> so excited! It's going to be great. Uh, and you know what they always say, Paulie D? What's that, JB? You may be wrong, but for all I know, you may be right. Thanks for listening, folks.